Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. podcast gary trust billboard's co-director of charts and i'm trevor anderson billboard's chart manager slash editorial liaison and this is where we look at why what's on the charts is on the charts also put a historical context on the feats that are happening now see if it's uh, something that's never happened before which which we've seen in recent weeks with uh, lots of justin bieber news so uh, as always we'll get into uh, chart news uh, just obviously first uh, trevor have to talk about what a just sad tragic week obviously this week with uh, the news in manchester yeah um I mean, really, you know, there's nothing really you can say about it. It's just so unfortunate that such a loss of life, especially um, some of the victims who are coming out, you know, teenagers, you know, younger than that. Um, I mean, really, what, what can you say? There's nothing you really can say. Um, and, uh, Ariana Grande, obviously heartbroken, and, and it's sad to even see that that uh, by saying sorry, she almost feels maybe a sense of on some human nature level responsibility which is is really sad for so many people this could have been their first concert you know um i mean just the city really to come out and have a good time and yeah for ariana especially um you hope that of course she's able to to work through this however however she needs to but yeah i mean in some sense i hope that she doesn't feel responsible but i could see where you know if it was me i guess the fact that if you hadn't had this concert people came to see you you know that's not your fault at all that this happened but I guess in a, in a way, maybe you feel like you put the situation together at least for where it could have happened. And I mean, the next time that she wants to do something like this, you know, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard for her, I'm sure. And it's just sad that we keep having this conversation about. Uh, we keep saying the next time something like this might happen, and and uh, any time it happens is is one time too many. Let's escape into what we do best, Trevor, and talk about <laughs> silly silly chart moves. We're gonna, we're gonna run away that quickly, Gary, yeah. from, from the from the world's problems. Let's, uh, make people feel good with. Uh, Chart news this week, uh, lots to get to, run down the top 10 of the Hot 100, uh, as we do uh, each week. New top 10 for Miley Cyrus, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Our guest this week uh, is back, Lee Leipzner from uh, Columbia Records, runs Radio Promotion. Uh, We'll be talking about more uh, huge acts in the label. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, the Chainsmokers and a lot more, uh, Harry Styles. We'll get into uh, talking about Beyonce, Adele, more coming up with Lee here on the podcast. And we'll flash back to one of the... One of the most talked about artists at the Billboard Music Awards, Celine Dion, coming up here on the podcast. But first, here's this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100.
Number five. Second week, Luis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee featuring Justin Bieber and Despacito against the first mostly Spanish language number one since Macarena back in 1996. And hey, look at that. It's the same number one song again. We've had a pretty good turnover rate these past uh, this past month, really. Right. And Despacito finally breaking the streak out there. And, and actually looking like it, it maybe is going to be in for, for a bit. I, I think a lot of people thought when I'm the one, uh, the other song with Bieber right now in the top three, debuted at number one. Could just could just be number one for weeks and weeks. Uh, I did, I do. So? I no. It it feels like a to me. It feels like a very like in the moment song. But it's huge at radio though. It's totally building at radio. Both both yeah. songs are. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. Something about Despacito feels more like people listen to the DJ Khaled song. I feel like when I in my small sample size, like because it was like kind of a moment song. Like oh, this song is coming out. Check it out. But Despacito had much of a slow builder, and I think that people just sort of whoever when you found out about it, found out about it. Obviously, the Bieber remix helped put it on people's radar, but it was less of a "Hey, this song's out." Okay, cool. And now it's like this song is like, "Ooh, I like this song." It's like still out there. It felt like it had more it's of a had grip. more of a natural it, build. Yeah, hundred percent. But it's it, more it, of a grip to it. it. It's also probably new to many people. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people found out about the song for the first time. Because of the Bieber remix, so it's almost like, yeah, it's been out for you know, about six months or so. But it's also to some people at the same time, it's about a month old since Bieber joined uh, on the remix. 
Yeah, and, and people, you know, I think it's kind of an underestimated thing that, you know, the sounds of, of Latin music and particularly people, people are always into that. I know some people are kind of worried if it sells in the United States or does well, but um, I think particularly among maybe the streaming generation that, you know, a lot of people who I would never suspect know Nicky Jam or um, Romeo Santos or people who I was like, you? You have heard of this person? Like, and you like them? Like, I think it's, I think it's a little understated. Uh, and going forward, uh, what, what we're saying, how Despacito could be in for a run at number one. Uh, it's up 11% in overall activity this week. I'm the one is up 2%. So uh, it's it's taken over. Uh, I'm the one after that went to number one. And now Despacito's uh, lead is growing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I mean, summer. it did its job. It was supposed to be number one hit. And so. All right. Book ending the top 10. New top 10 this week. Miley Cyrus back in the top 10 for the first time since Wrecking Ball became her first number one. Back in 2013, uh, it's either her eighth or ninth top ten on the Hot 100. It's, it, she's she's been in the top ten for all nine of them, but she was Miley on eight of them. She was Hannah Montana on one. He could be the 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 one. Yeah, he could be the one. He could be the one. The one person, Miley Cyrus, has 44 Hot 100 hits, 24 of them. Are by Miley Cyrus, 20 of them are by Hannah Montana. So she's she's in this rare club of artists who have had at least 20 hits on the Hot 100 under two completely different billings. I think maybe you don't realize that, for anyone keeping count, Miley leads Hannah in Hot 100 hits, 24 to 20. Even if you take just, just the Hannah Montana section, which, again, I always forget how massive a pop culture thing was. I was kind of out of that age group by the time Hannah Montana came around. Hard for you to believe, Gary. I know, but um, You're older than something. I'm older than Fine. than Hannah Montana demographic. I do remember like, but I do remember "See You Again" and Seven Things getting like that was kind of that same era, getting a lot of rotation around just radio, just among fans and friends. But um, but if you take Hannah Montana's 20 hits alone, so forget anything that was billed as Miley Cyrus, those 20 songs by themselves um, are still as many Hot 100 hits as a lot of really legendary artists. When we were talking people like ABBA. Uh, Al Green, Lionel Richie, uh, Selena Gomez, who, you know, may have a couple more coming with his next album cycle. Um, People like Shakira, even. I mean, that's 20 Hot 100 hits, just as Hannah Montana alone. And then you add the Miley Cyrus, and that just jumps her to a whole other level. Another act that's kind of funny that that also had 20 hits, The Monkees. You're talking about another uh, TV uh, alter ego, Miley Cyrus and The Monkees, both 20 Hot 100 hits each. So basically, she's had two successful careers as as one person. She's still she's only twenty four years old. So, so you talk about it, we're sort of calling this the, the twenty twenty club acts who've had uh, twenty hits under one billing and twenty hits as another. It's a pretty pretty exclusive group of artists. Obviously, I know the forty forty club, the actual club. It's like down there on twenty third. Like Jay Z shouts it out in like a lot of his songs, and he used never, to own it. I think for a while. I've never been let in. I don't know. About never that. never gotten past the velvet rope, Gary. Uh, so 2020 club uh, acts that have had uh, 20 Hot 100 hits under two different billings. So really absolute uh, superstars. Uh, Michael Jackson, let's start with him, 50 solo hits. He also had 29 with the Jacksons. So talking about 79. The Jacksons include the Jackson 5. Jackson's Jackson 5. Okay. So 79 total visits, 50 on his own, 29 with the Jacksons. Um, obviously, uh, can't be surprised that Paul McCartney would be in this group, 71 Hot 100 hits with the Beatles, 46 solo. Who else is at our, our 2020 club? Diana Ross, another. Again, a lot of these acts who were huge in, in uh, 60s and 70s groups, 
went on to solo stardom. So a Diana Ross 40 solo after 31 Hot 100 hits uh, with the Supremes. A uh, little bit newer, uh, the, the next two acts uh, that we'll mention. Uh, Phil Collins, 27 solo hits. A <laughs> little bit newer. Little bit into the 70s, <laughs> Somebody 80s, you kids may know. Uh, Phil Collins, 27 solo Hot 100 hits, 22 with Genesis. And your buddy, uh, you interviewed him last year, Lionel Richie, who uh, we mentioned before, 20 solo hits, 20 with the Commodores. Okay, now there's some people I think that people may think are in the 2020 club, and they're not. And as I was reading this list earlier before we um, even started recording this, the name that I was like, well, why did Gary not put Beyonce on here? Beyonce surely with Destiny's Child and her solo material has to have 2020 hits, but apparently she does not. Destiny's Child just didn't have that longevity, so they they haven't had uh, Beyonce's in the 50s for how many hits she's had solo, but uh, Destiny's Child does not have 20 hits as a group. I mean, I guess they only had four four albums and a greatest hits and a Christmas album, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of forget how sort of contained their period was really between 98 and 2001 and then again in you know kind of the 0304 we talked about the beatles another act i thought could be a part of this the eagles they had 21 hot 100 hits but none of the solo members uh, have had uh, 20 on their own glenn fry don henley they, they fall a little bit shy of that mm, okay I'm so miley cyrus and really uh superstar territory when, when you look at it that way she was also good on the uh, BBMAs this past week. If you guys check that out, she did the country version of Malibu. The country version of Malibu, right? Which um, seems like it could be something, you know. The other thing that's kind of interesting too is is obviously um, Miley is a real person. Hannah Montana is a TV character. Not many people who've had Hot 100 top tens as both a real life person and a TV character. Partridge Family, David Cassidy. Although uh, David Cassidy was actually listed as a featured artist uh, on I Think I Love You, but he had top ten solo. Maybe one that's pretty comparable to to what Miley has done. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had a top ten with Summertime. It's comparable, right? Uh, Will Smith, the person. Fresh Prince, the character. Garth Brooks as Chris Gaines. which that's That's legit. I know people love to mock that, but his biggest hit on the Hot 100 was as was as Chris Gaines. That was his big hit, Lost in Youth. Good for Chris and good for Garth. <laughs> um, uh, the Glee cast, obviously, they hold the record for the most Hot 100 uh, entries of all time, 207. Uh, Drake, Le- Drake is coming for it, though. He, he, might, he might be coming for it. Uh, Leah Michelle has charted solo, so there's Rachel Berry versus Leah Michelle. Arsenio Hall has charted on the Hot 100, but not under his own. Well, the, the A was there. Chunky A. Do you remember that, Trevor? Uh, no, hell no. What is Chunky A? Chunky A was his... Um, is, that, is this a rapper? Th- like it, it, rapper? it was a comic rapper. He, I think he wore like a big puffy suit. It was like a heftier version of Arsenio Hall as a rapper. What, what do we make of Puff Daddy and, and Diddy? That's just a name change. Just a name I'm just change. going name change on that one. All right, Prince and the Symbol, same thing. Yeah, that one's just more like a name change. Then, then you kind of get into that category, I guess, with like Chris Gaines and right. Garth of like the alter ego kind of thing. Like Sasha Fierce, who's never charted. Yeah, I was hoping 100. that Sasha Fierce had. No, you know, she gave no, her something. No, but. Sasha yet. Another one that's it's sort of in its own category, but but all related to this. Eminem has only charted as a credited artist as Eminem, but he's obviously had Slim Shady in titles, the Marshall Mathers LP. So his his and various LP too. LP2, his various names have been out there, so you know, three different names for Eminem. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, most most people maybe, I remember seeing um, a kind of documentary on this, that, you know, each of those names is a different sort of part of his personality, and they, they align with, you know, uh, um, 
who he is in a, in a sense. So that one, yeah, that one's a little interesting because you almost kind of wonder, and maybe it's just maybe it's just they decided from a marketing point of view it was too confusing to have people not, you know, what is this Slim Shady versus Marshall Mathers kind of thing? But the fact that yeah, that he, that you know exactly who all of these people refer to, the same person. Could see uh, Eminem featuring Slim Shady and Marshall Mathers. Maybe they all take different parts of a song. Yo, that's not a yo, that's not a bad idea. If he did like a verse in like his Marshall sort of form, and then a verse in his you know, uh, yeah, Slim Shady kind of like playful kind of you know nightmarish cartoon voice and whatever, that could be kind of hot. And and we should even uh, sort of uh, uh, mention of at least another term that is part of the whole Eminem name history. He kind of created the term Stan from that song. Oh yeah, people. People grabbed onto that, yes. I mean, it's weird. Years st- later. Stan has such a dark history in a weird way. It's kind of a dark song. It's a pretty dark song. Based on, um, you know, who Stan is. It's this fan of Eminem. If you don't know the song, check it out. Um, from the early 2000s. And, yeah, I mean, now everyone is known, you know, every any super fan is a Stan. That's, that's again, that's Slim Shady's influence on pop culture in ways that you never would predict. And somehow we've just connected uh, Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus to Chunky A. Only on the Chart B podcast. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, this week's Industry Insider interview this week. Lee Leipsner, who runs uh, radio promotion for Columbia Records, is back. Uh, this time we're going to get into uh, so many more acts that uh, we didn't get to uh, last week when, when Lee was here. So uh, we'll talk about Beyonce, Adele, Haim, one of my favorite acts. Uh, we'll get to all that here with Lee Leipsner now on the Billboard Chart B podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, let's talk about another major superstar on Columbia. That's Queen B, Beyonce. Um, her last album, Lemonade, obviously doing you know huge in terms of streaming. I mean, obviously the HBO special was another inventive way to put out an album. Kind of interesting that that the album got so much reception in terms of social media and, and the video and everything like that, but didn't quite have the same sort of pop radio impact that her so- her singles for a little while haven't. What do you think is the is is up with with the disconnect between Lemonade and some of the singles and and pop radio grabbing on? I don't think she makes records albums for to to identify pop singles. She makes the art she feels. She's I mean, there's no greater artist than Beyonce. She is a a tour de force, and I don't think she goes into anything now with like that's a pop single, that's an urban single, that's a rhythm single. She puts it out, and if people play it, great. 
I don't think she has that mindset at all. But what changed, though, after I Am Sasha Fierce? She had this whole run of pop hits. She actually hasn't had a top 10 at pop radio because her direction has changed so much. Was it was it a conscious decision that after after Destiny's Child, after all these pop hits, she just decided to, to go more in that direction? I don't think she consciously hurt? did that. I think she just was going to make music that she felt close to. I mean, you know, there was some there was some pickup on Drunken Love on, on the self-titled record, and that was pretty amazing. But, yeah, I, I don't think she's out to not, you know, make pop records anymore. She just makes art that she feels comfortable and confident. And, you know, obviously people like it. I, I personally thought that was one of the – not because I work at Columbia. That was one of the greatest albums of, of this past year. It's It was just culturally so important that she made that statement. And a visual album, I mean, she's brilliant. She's nothing but brilliant. And I think – that we just what we try to do is just respect what she's doing, respect the art, and just push out where we can. And she's good about that. She doesn't she doesn't interfere with what we want to do, but she's also like, this is what I do. Now you guys take it from here, and I'm going to do what I do. And I think it all sort of comes together. And you know what? Urban Radio, Rhythm Radio has been very supportive of her. And I think Pop would love to play something for her. I mean, if I was a programmer, I would find every chance possible to play a Beyonce record because I know the audience cares. I know they do. You can see it in consumption. You can see how people feel about her. And when she puts anything out, again, dramatic results. Yeah, the Beehive is very loyal to her. And I think that any chance we can get exposure on a Beyonce record is a good thing. I just think for anyone who's programming or anybody who's, who can play a Beyonce record, it's usually a win. Last time we were talking about Harry Styles, how sure. uh, he went uh, in a more adult direction that people might have been expecting, and, and Beyonce, where we're saying how she went more R and B on the last few albums. It sounds like Columbia, uh, pretty much overall, doesn't interfere too much in an artist's direction. Are there times when when you get an album and you say, well, "Where is the pop single?" It, it's it really you know our our chairman Rob Stringer is so good with the artist. He's probably the most creative. He is the most creative executive I've ever worked for. He's a great leader. Um, he doesn't really want to interfere. Now, people do ask us our opinions. We have a great partnership with a lot of the, the artists, and they trust us. And it's funny, even Billy Joel today says, I just put them out, I just gave them to Columbia, let them pick. They were pretty good at picking singles. I think that's what some of the artists feel like. But there is, like with Chain Smokers, it's collaborative. Beyonce, you don't have to tell her what to do. She's not, she, she's, she knows how to A&R her records. She knows who to get to work with her. You know, we don't have to do it. If, if she needs, if she has a question, she'll ask Rob. But with an artist like that, you just kind of step away and let her do what she does best. And then she'll leave it up to us on how to market it, how to promote it, and we'll go from there. And, you know, certain artists of that caliber, it's, it's best to let them create their art and let them do what they do best. Like we're saying, like, even though the singles aren't taking off at pop radio, like people may have wished, hoped, had been, the albums, it's not like they're flop albums. I mean, Lemonade was the best-selling album be around the world last year. Album. Yeah. Lemonade it's, was a huge hit around the world. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Which is such a no, I think people think it's such a disconnect that if she, you know, well, she can't have pop, but it's it's not. I think that's, that's just a, one part of I the think game. That's a great point because I do hear that a lot. But if you look around the world and you just talk to people here, like I said, culturally, the impact that record had, and sonically, and musically, it was all there. And yeah, there might not have been a carved out pop hit. I get that. Look, pop is very important to us. There's a lot. There's more stations that pop than any other format. I'd love to have a Beyonce pop single, but again, I'm not going to, I don't know if it's ever going to be gift wrapped and just hand it to me. I think you'd have to find it off the album. Talk to your, again, talk to your listeners, know what they want and try to give it to them. But I think that's a really good point you made because 
impact the way that record impacted again globally you know it was a huge success huge success you've uh you've known beyonce since the beginning for a columbia run i mean i've worked all her records right yeah going back to destiny's, oh, destiny's child Destiny's. yeah i worked yeah. all destiny records yeah how how has she changed what was what was well, she I, like I when you first t- here, i can't sit here and tell you that we i don't have a lot of communication with I, her. I i googled your name google images there's a picture of you smiling right next to her yeah you know oh, yeah that was in atlanta on the last tour and she was lovely she's always lovely when you see her yeah and she's very approachable her life has changed a lot since Destiny's Child. And, you know, those girls did a lot of work in the, in, the, in the old days. They did a lot. They were out there. They did radio shows. They did lounge, the early lounges. They sang everywhere. And you kind of knew, again, just like we were talking about breakout stars, you kind of knew she was a breakout star. And all my dealings with her over the years, whenever I have gotten a chance to speak to her, have, have been great. They've been wonderful. She's been very approachable. Um, it's just, it's a big business now. She is a big deal. And rightfully so. She's worked very hard to get to where she is. You talk about a lot of bees on Columbia, Bruce, Bob, Barbara, Beyonce, Billy. I mean, right. think about it. Right. She's she's right up there. I mean it's it's the, incredible. The Columbia. Columbies, yeah, it's good. She's right up there. And you know, one of the most important artists I think I've ever had a chance to work with. So at the Grammys recently, it was uh, people made it out to Adele versus Beyonce. But I guess for Columbia, it was it was going to be win win either way. It was, but it was also you know we we it wasn't like we were happy, but obviously what Adele said was so heartfelt and so real, and she meant it. She truly meant what she said. That was not that was not scripted. She felt that way. Rob and other people at the label said that that's how she felt even before the Grammys. Yeah, that was her favorite album of the year, by far, and. Yeah, we felt good that one of our artists won, you know, but you also knew that, you know, there was a, a little bit of a letdown because you knew somebody was not not publicly saying they were unhappy, but it would have been nice to see that happen. It, it, I wish it was I wish it was split in half because they both rightfully deserved it. And, you know, I think um, I think they got the the album category right. It's just um, having both of them nominated was truly incredible. And again, I just thought what Adele did was, you know, was selfless and completely honest and authentic and it was nice to see that what was it like working hello as big uh, as it was was that just uh, easy radio here you go or, or did it, it surprise you that no, it was that no, it did. how early did you did you you know find out about it hear about it how long it's been in the oh, works oh that's a good question i think i i got to hear it for the first time about probably 6 weeks before it was launched when 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 jonathan dickens her manager came in to play it for some of us and it was it was mouth dropping it was like oh my god you just knew. You knew it was going to change the world. And you do get those records that you're lucky to work in your career. That was one of them. You just knew. And you couldn't wait to play it for people. And Jonathan allowed us to go do that. We had some listening sessions in our office with some of the key radio chains and then going out on the road and playing it. And it was, you know, I was very thankful that everybody got it the same way. They were like, this is one of the most important records we're going to play all year. And it was, they were wow. They were floored. They were just like, oh, my God. Can't wait to get to this. And that's what you hope. That's what you hope would happen because it's pretty amazing and special. But it came out pretty strong, and there was nobody holding back on that one. I didn't find anybody putting up any resistance on that one. That even, was a flyer. Even uh, four songs uh, deep. It seemed like Water Under the Bridge it recently had yeah. kind of a resurgence at pop radio. It's, it seems to really be lasting at this point. What's behind that? I think that we're finding out that radio is discovering that 
Got to give your audience a chance to catch up a little bit. They're way ahead on some of this stuff. And that was a fourth single from an album. But yeah, the early days where, yeah, it's not testing. It's not really happening. It's not popping. And then it went down and all of a sudden the research went up. And it was a resurgence. I've seen it everywhere. And I think we're finding that on a bunch of records now that you just, again, when it comes to call out and research, it's the last piece of the puzzle. It's passive. You got to let people, got to let people digest a little bit. Let them work into this. It'll get there. Again, you can't find a bigger artist as far as sales. What I love about her is that when you go see her, the tour was a monster success because even though you're in an arena, you felt like you were right next to her and you saw what a true talent she really is. I mean, she is the world's greatest singer and she, she made an arena feel intimate. And I think that when you see that kind of response again, you have to realize that people love these songs. And when she did Water in the Bridge, everybody was on their feet. It's one of those moments of the show. And sometimes you just want to take a snapshot of that and go, God, do you, you got to get this. Look at this. But it took a minute. But, yeah, it had a resurgence. And some people were like, I don't want to play a fourth single. It seems like it's old. Like, I always say this. You could send, sell 10 million records, which she did, and it's, it's amazing and historical. There's still over 300 million other people in the, in the United States that haven't, that haven't bought it yet. Right. It's a lot of people to get to and may, may, maybe might not know these songs. You think everybody has it? Maybe they don't. But there's also no other uh, fourth single being worked that has been on an album that sold just about 10 million copies. So it has that built in. Exactly. But you think that, yeah, who else would want this? Still a big audience out there. And every track is different. Maybe water's the one that got them, you know, hooked them in. Right. Maybe it was, um, you know, it wasn't like all in on, on hello. Maybe this was the fourth single that they needed to hear. And people are discovering the album still. And it's, it's one that's going to be, um, everlasting. This is that kind of album. Potential fifth single. No, are you done? No, it's it's done. Campaign's over. She is going to play Wembley Stadium four nights in June. That'll end the entire campaign. I mean, what a campaign it's been. Her manager is very, very sharp and very smart. He didn't want to overdo it. He just he knows when to pull out. It's time to stop. Don't want to milk it for all it's worth. He's not into that. Keep. She's going to take a break now. Keep it fresh. Don't don't burn out the audience on Adele. She's been around a long a long year. He's he's smart. He's very strategic about that, and he's one of the managers that really works on that. Really, is really sensitive to that, which I think is great. Probably too soon to know, but uh, next album, do you know when it might be or what her thinking is at this nope. point? I have no idea. But you know what? When she's ready, she'll be ready. And I promise you it's going to be, it's going to be special as it always is. Do it's you, going to be unique and special, and it's going to be who she is. Sorry. Do you think that, um, that given you know, especially how big the reception was the first week, breaking all these sales records, breaking all this traffic for you know, just the song itself and then the album coming out, do you think that sort of, you know, take the pressure off for coming off the next album that okay i've already got the records been there done that or do you think in a weird way it okay now i gotta go four million in a week five million in a week listen if that happens great but the world changes i mean yeah i don't think anybody sell three million first week i mean i we believe me there was nobody in our room in our conversation going we're gonna sell three million the first week it's just that it started snowballing because people discovered hello and they discovered the music and they loved it and the word of mouth spread and she's so good on everything she does performance wise and you know, the special she did at Radio City. I can tell you, knowing her, she doesn't go on an album thinking, I better sell that. You know, next album, she's she's already made history. She's going to make the best record for herself. And I, I'm, she's hopeful that the that the public responds. You know what? She'll, she'll never, she would never go into a meeting saying, this better sell $4 million. I want to break my own record. She doesn't talk like that. They don't think that way. Yes, you want people to have it and you want people to hear it, but... You want to do it the right way. And if that means breaking records, great. If it doesn't, cool. You know what? At least there's an audience for her and people care. 
That's, that's how she is, and that's how we feel, too. Let's uh, just ask you about uh, three more acts, uh, sure. Columbia Lee. Please. One is uh, Train. Uh, <laughs> not often you're working with basically a 1938 Hoagie Carmichael song <laughs> to Top 40 Radio. A little heart and soul. <laughs> I mean, it's a song anybody learns when they first take up piano and an instrument. And obviously, made it, it was made famous and big with Tom Hanks. You know, I got to tell you, Pat Monahan, he's, he's, he's not only a hard worker and a really good friend to, to myself and the label, he has been the front man for a while. He's the only original member left. Right. Um, They're amazing live. I, I saw them a few years ago. I didn't realize how good they are live. He's really a world-class singer. Yeah. And people don't realize that. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, peop- some people think they might be hokey or they might not. It's a little corny. You know, but you go to a show and you hear 15 hits that everybody knows. And some of the biggest songs. Calling All Angels is brilliant. Right. Drops Jupiter, brilliant. Talking about 20 years of hits That's what I'm now, pretty much, they, right? They're a real band that can walk out and play hits and songs that mean something, you know? Hey, Soul Sister was, when the band was in disarray, you know, he left, he did a solo record that, that wasn't, it wasn't, didn't make a big dent, it wasn't as successful as the Train Project. It might have been a little premature to leave and take, take away the brand, but Pat's a smart guy. He was humbled and he was excited to get back, get the band back together. He wrote with Outside Riders, he wrote a hit song with a ukulele, and the rest is history. And he did it again with Drive By, and now he's doing it again with Play That Song, which, I mean, for us to be sitting top 25 on a pop format right now and, and outlasting and outcompeting some of the other records that have come and gone says a lot about how, again, doesn't matter what we all think. It's what the audience thinks, right. and they love it. I think at the show I saw, 50 Ways to Say Goodbye was actually the one that just maybe drew in the crowd the most. I don't know, because of the, the, the Spanish-sounding instrumentation. The something about it, yeah. And the, and the wordplay. Pat's always been very right. good at wordplay. How can you not? It's hooky, and it, it gets in your head, and it's feel-good. So when you go see a train show and you spend time with Pat and the band, it's just all about the songs. It's nothing. There's no gimmicks. It's not going to be – it's not Kiss. There's no pyro. There's not, there's not, he's not going to fly over, this, over the audience. It's just great songs. Audience, audience participation, and just one of those nights where you hear a lot of songs that you love. But I couldn't be prouder of this campaign because they came back, they signed a new deal with Columbia, and Pat wanted to be with family, and that's us. And we've been with them from day one, and, and his work ethic and writing this song. We, we all knew ourselves in Crush Management, who were really good, when we all heard this song. We're like, there's something here. I mean, that, that heart and soul sample, and then you go into the song, and you're like, it might annoy everyone, but it's going to get stuck in your head. <laughs> and now there's a big campaign running on Smule. Smule you know, the app, the karaoke app, there's a million-dollar uh, TV spot featuring Pat and the song with a lot of uh, online influencers. And it's, we, we already see, a, we already see a, a, um, a surge based on that. So it's, um, it's exciting, and I like being a part of history with a group like this. Don't ever underestimate train kids. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't ever rule them out. Calvin Harris' new album, June 30th, Slide uh, doing really well. As we're uh, taping this, it's on his way to becoming his 10th top 10 hit on the pop songs chart. Yeah. People might not have realized that he's had that many hits all this decade. Well, it's funny. I don't think a lot of people know to piece all these together, all these songs, because he's not the most visible artist. Right. 
He is a genius in the studio. Um, but and he's and he's also very personable and very funny when you see Calvin. Like when you talk to him, he's got his finger on the pulse. He knows what he's doing, but he doesn't do any. He doesn't really do TV. Um, he doesn't really have a band yet. He you know he DJs in Las Vegas and he makes his appearances. But the songs are the breakthrough, and there's those are what really cut through. Um, but I'm I was going to say I was going to I was thinking this the other day when I was talking about Calvin. You know, if he ever got all these features and people out with him, it'd be a greatest hits collection already. Right. That's how many good songs he's had. And I think that that's what people miss because he's not out front and he's not the most visible artist. You know, he's on socials, but it's not, he's not going to post every minute. It's usually pretty something substantial or something he feels. But I really believe that people are sort of waiting every step to see what else he's going to do because, and this music with Slide. I can tell you the album. I don't know if you saw Gary the, the lineup, the rollout of all the artists, the features. It's like a movie premiere. I mean, it's if you don't want to be, if you're not interested in that record after seeing that lineup, I don't know what will get you interested because he's got so many great artists from the hip hop community, from the from the rhythmic community, Katy Perry. Yeah, I mean, he's got a little bit of everything, and he's the only artist I know that can possibly make Frank Ocean sound mainstream. I was gonna say last time we were talking about Chainsmokers giving Coldplay their biggest radio hit. Calvin Harris has given uh, Frank Ocean his biggest Hot 100 hit and, and a real presence on pop radio. You know, and Frank is is such a unique artist and 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 very creative in his own right. But the fact that Calvin could bring this out of him, I think, is amazing. And and the songs that we've heard, I mean, I've heard the album, and it's 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 going to be if you want the perfect playlist for your for your summer party or barbecue, just put on the Calvin Harris album because that's what it is. It's just a run through of just amazing music. It's not, it's not the DJ stuff. It's very much now more instrumentation, more musical, much more rhythmic, and boy, does it work. I mean, he's the only one I know who could put Katy Perry, Pharrell, and um, Big Sean on a record, and it works. It's incredible. The collaborations he's put together is pretty incredible. Should we read anything into uh, Katy Perry's on the album after the Calvin Taylor this romance? Is what you, you came for. Oh God, please, guys! I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> Me, I don't. <laughs> um, no, I don't have any comment on that. Uh, makes makes for good talking points, but not with me. I don't know anything about that. You didn't hang out at the mansion in uh, Newport with, with Taylor and everybody. No, I, I I met Taylor once at Kisses Wango Tango. Um, Calvin was playing the show, and we have Heim on the label, and they're very good friends with Taylor. And she was with Calvin at the time, and she came to support him and 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 it was great i mean you know she, you, can, you can talk hours about her talent she's amazing but yeah they were all together and it was uh it was fun seeing them it was great that you know they all supported each other it was cool so it's on a calvin harris Katy perry taylor swift triple collaboration <laughs> gary I, I i'm not a bit i mean i'm not a betting man but i don't think that's gonna happen not anytime soon long forgotten. some things were never said we were on one and this world But I had a wandering heart I said we were uh, You mentioned Hyde, that's the other act. Yeah. I want to ask you about, uh, are you working uh, the new song, Want You Back, to pop radio? Is that in the plans? It will, yeah. yeah, eventually. It's funny, we're starting to pick up. We start, we're starting with uh, Alternative, AAA, and Hot AC. It's funny, that group has no format, but has all formats. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're super cool, like Pitchfork. We'll do a review about them. So they're not, you know, they're still in that world. They're still can headline a festival. They're 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 so well received by press, by radio, by media. 
So there's a lot to look forward to. Um, social media, they've been fantastic. They are really talented. Those girls are, 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 are truly fun to be around. They've been in the studio for a while. Everyone likes Heim. Everybody's sort of in that club. And it's great to have music out. It's been a while. And we're glad they're returning because there's so much of an upside of where this can go because there are no barriers to a group like this. And if you spend time with the three of them, they are a hoot. I mean, they are the three of them together. It is, it is, you know, you're like, you can just wind them up and watch them go. Yeah. Because they all play off each other's words and they're very close and very musical. Again, these, these girls are smart. They're smart in the studio. The live shows are really good. They're just tailor-made for this. They were built for this business. They're built for, they were built for being musicians. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. I'm, I'm always puzzled why they are so big pop culture-wise. They, they just haven't had that. Are they too sophisticated for, for pop radio? Maybe a little We bit. got a little bit of a bite last time on pop radio. Um, we yeah, forever. Was yeah, that, we, got that, some, we made some inroads. Yeah. Um, and I know they have big fans at radio. People are rooting for them. Um, I don't know if it's sophisticated. I, I just think, again, they're not a pure pop group, even though there's poppy songs. I, I like that. I mean, today we were just talking about it. All the rock channels that Sirius added the song. So XMU, Spectrum, and Alt Nation all added it. That's incredible. I love that reach. Love it. Love that they did that. And then you get you know other good AAAs, other good alternative stations, some hot ACs already on board, and you'll see where the record where the record takes you know where it takes us. Where and it takes the audience. I like that they uh, worked with the same people on the new album that's out in July. They're they're keeping their sound. It's not like they uh, said we, we want to go for a hit uh, with a featured role or anything. They're they're staying true to themselves. Is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I, I like that too, Gary. I think that was important because um, it's been a minute, and you didn't want to completely you know change course or direction here. But there again with Heim, it's another group that you you don't need a lot of coaching. They know what to do. They know how to make music. They're good in the studio. They they took they took their time. And they're finally ready to, you know, make a statement around the world because they are. That's another group that's very global. You know, they're not signed to Columbia throughout the world, just North America. But we work with the other territories and we all have a similar plan. And, you know, you got to work. Uh, it's, you know, the world's big, but it's very small these days, especially when it comes to music. And you kind of have to be on the same on the same page. But the good news is you can also find out now what people like. If it's not this song, there might be something else. And you might find that hidden gem because, you know, they'll. The girls are going to be asked to license for a lot of sinks. They're just built for that stuff. And something's going to pop. And that's the beauty of Heim because every, every platform wants a piece of them because they're built for that and they're good at it. Congratulations on all the success. Thank you, guys. Me. Thank you so much for having me. When the world seems so cruel and your heart makes you feel like a fool, I pray. All right, so 25 is done, Gary. I know, big news, right? One of the things I think that people like about Adele, and one of the reasons I think she's a big success, is that she she knows, you know, not to, not to milk the album for every cent that it's worth. And, I, you know, I mean, it's already sold, of course, a zillion copies. Yeah, it got her about 10 million at this point. Yeah, just in the U.S. In the US alone, US, obviously. Right. You know, worldwide doing as well, too. Got her a bunch of awards, plenty of Billboard Music Awards. Obviously, the Grammy that I'm sure that, she wanted but didn't want at the same – she's happy that she got but maybe not, didn't want at the same time. The Columbia Grammy. We'll just call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Columbia Grammy doing the Triple Crown there. And I think that, you know, 
I mean, for some for some artists, you know, that would be almost an indication of, you know, oh my gosh, get more. They want more. They want more. They want more. And she's, you know, very very secure in that. So that's going to wrap up the tour at the beginning of July, right. In London, and I mean, just settle down, and go home. And there was a piece of remedy, a song yeah. co-written with Ryan Tedder, got a little uh, adult alternative airplay when the album was out uh, back in 2015. So. Maybe, maybe it uh, could have been a fifth single, but as you just said, Trevor, seems like uh, sometimes knowing when to leave people wanting more can be the right decision. For sure. For all those times you stood by me, for all the truth that you made me see, for all the joy you brought to my life, for all the wrong that you made right. And Gary, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about um, a huge event for us here at Billboard this past week, the Billboard Music Awards on Sunday. Huge, huge night for Drake right. in particular, taking 13 awards, um, breaking that record that Adele had set with, when when 21 was taken over the charts. Um, he got 13 awards, the most that anybody's gotten in a single year. But a lot of the talk was really about Cher and Celine Dion, who who came down the strip at Vegas uh, to sing "My Heart Will Go On" for the 20th anniversary of Titanic. 1997, this this fall. It'll be 20 years since that song and that movie took over the world. I felt like the audience was really uh, reverential about Celine. Like, this was a, a big moment that we do. It was just so cool to for everyone to be in her presence, to hear such an iconic song to, to be done live. You, you, you just remember at this point from being back in the 90s. But to hear it live, it must have just been just like taking you right into the, the feel of the movie. Yeah, and I think, you know, cause of course, one of those songs that people – love and especially people in in my generation really love but a lot of us you know you remember it but you don't i guess get the gravity of it or the the iconic sort of weight that the song had especially leo and kate are now these huge stars the movie did so well at the box office it's sort of this quintessential love story and you know we were like eight or nine at the time so we didn't i don't think people got it well we 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 this we the millennials um but yes, the Celine Dion performing "My Heart Will Go On" from Titanic. So obviously, one of the biggest movies and the biggest soundtrack singles we've ever seen. But you know, it's funny because that's that's not the only really movie success Celine Dion had in the '90s with "My Heart Will Go On." She had "Beauty and the Beast" way back when um, the song came out in '92. Right. But she also had the song "Because You Love Me" from the film "Up Close and Personal," which was another number one hit for her. I mean, really one of her biggest hits of all time. People might not, not realize that it actually had more weeks at number one, Because You Love Me, on the Hot 100, than My Heart Will Go On. And it was sort of a, a rec- record-setting number one in a way, because it, it chopped off one sweet day after 16 weeks at number one, which is still the chart record. But um, yeah, huge hit for her, um, helping propel that next album that she had, Falling Into You, way up the charts. Won her the Grammy for Album of the Year as well. So really, you know, one of the biggest adult contemporary hits really of all time and you know Celine was queen yeah that album had three huge hits uh, uh, Because You Love Me written by Diane Warren who wrote so many hits in the 80s 90s uh, written for Lady Gaga in more more recent years Uh, the follow up uh, It's All Coming Back to Me Now written by Jim Steinman who Mm -hmm. uh, wrote a lot of hits for uh, Meatloaf wrote uh, Making Love Out of Nothing at All for Air Supply in the 80s and it was supposed to be I guess I think It's All Coming Back to Me Now was supposed to be a Meatloaf song at some point from what I from what I read you know, it was kind of drama to it. Oh, for sure. And it was kind of languishing a little bit in obscurity. Um, Celine, I think, just grabbed it kind of at the right moment. And trust me, that is, again, one of those songs that you would not think that many people who weren't around at that time know, but the youth, the, these, these millennials, like that is one of the epic power ballads of all time, especially if you go to karaoke. 
It's a seven and a half minute song, it's so it's really long. Yeah, you're not just singing that song. 100%. You have to give it your – I mean, especially just the leaps and the trails and the, the vibrato. And, yeah, that, that requires a lot of effort. I, I wouldn't know anything about that, but maybe uh, – Maybe once in a while. Maybe like a Ludacris and Vanessa Hutchins here. Do your impression of Celine Dion, Trevor. Um, you can cast that on the extended version of the Charpy Podcast, <laughs> posting exclusively nowhere. But uh, yeah, the, the third single, All By Myself. Again, another one of the classic Celine you know, repertoire. Huge voice, huge presence. I mean, another adult contemporary smash. Top five hit on the Hot 100. You know, Celine was was the ballad queen really yeah, it really set up the stage so perfectly for uh, her to do my heart will go on for that to be such a hit just so many things came together uh, for a long time the biggest movie of all time uh, with an artist who was maybe uh, absolutely one of the biggest artists uh, right at the, at the apex of her, her chart career and it really it's the 90s kind of that heyday of, of all those big diva hits from mariah to whitney celine that was that was the time for that yeah, and in particular, um, I mean, on soundtracks. I mean, their own albums were successful, obviously, as well. But for, you know, you've got, I mean, When You Believe, even though maybe it wasn't the biggest chart hit that people would have expected, it only got to number 15 on the Hot 100, still won the Oscar, and if nothing else, gave us the one-time collaboration of Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston that so many people had really clamored for and, and thought never could happen. The, the one song we can agree on is me, the bigger Mariah fan, you're the Whitney. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's and no big deal. The Whitney is credited first and the Whitney sings first and, you know. But, um, yeah, between between all those soundtrack hits in the 90s, really a great time. And, and it's kind of interesting because it kind of waned after a while. I'm not sure. I don't know if maybe When You Believe not being quite as big a hit kind of deterred people. Obviously, the sounds that were, you know, teen pop coming through and hip hop taking over the radio. Yeah, I think it was more that. Just just the sounds of pop music changed. Yeah, Um, definitely took over, you know, in the early 2000s. But again, I guess it all kind of comes back to Adele in a little bit. I think especially with Skyfall and particularly her writing the song, you know, she won the Academy Award for that, um, Golden Globe for that as well kind of has rejuvenated some of these these major stars really getting into recording soundtrack songs. We've seen in the past couple of years Justin Timberlake um, nominated for the Oscar just this year with Can't Stop the Feeling um, that he wrote with Max Martin and Shellback. You've seen, like we said, Adele, Skyfall winning the Oscar, Sam Smith. Like we were just saying, for a period in the 2000s, some more obscure singer-songwriters, some, some Americana stuff, some Maybe some, some older hits. artists, yeah. too, like Melissa Etheridge, you know, got her Academy Award in the mid-2000s as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of studio musicians, not studio musicians or, or people who are more known for compositions and composing and more classical music. Not that one's better than the other, but just in terms of chart position, we're seeing now more bigger hits in that category again, like it used to be. For sure. For sure. And it seems like, especially, you know, that now that people have seen that, Hey, you know, maybe I can at least get up for the Oscar if, if I, you know, can write a song. It also, of course, bridges that gap between albums that we've seen, you know, hold on so well for a lot of people. Justin Timberlake is kind of. You know, fed the appetite for a little while before his next album comes out, so it gives him a little bit of a break. Um, I mean, Pharrell with Happy nominated as right. well just a few years ago, so maybe the only thing left for Bieber to do at this point. I was, you Big know, soundtrack hit in, in between albums. It could be Bieber, and of course um, Taylor as well. You know, she's, she's written a lot of songs for soundtracks already. Safe and Sound from uh, the Hunger Games with the Civil Wars. The Zane uh, song a few months the ago. The Zane song that we saw as well. Eyes open. So. Um, definitely, you know, could be on her radar as well. But someone's going to have to go a long way to to top out on Queen Celine. She's got at least three top tens from movies. So definitely the, the, the soundtrack queen seems like uh, of the era. 
Well, she sounded great, uh, as really did everyone at the Billboard Music Awards. Uh, next week on the podcast, we will uh, talk to Andrea Dresdale from ABC Radio, who was uh, backstage. Said she has some uh, some fun backstage stories of people she talked to. Oh, really? Yeah. Any, so we'll, did she drop any names? No, nah, we'll get we'll get the inside scoop next time. Okay, and of course, um, as you guys start to fire up the grills and all this for Memorial Day weekend, we'll be firing up our Song of the Summer chart here at Billboard as well, tracking the hottest song of summer 2017. Andrea will be talking about some of the early predictions that um, some of the some of the insiders that she's talked to have been talking about maybe the Khaled song maybe um, Despacito of course is in the conversation as well and maybe some songs on the lower reaches of the chart that may be bubbling up you know come 4th of July all the way through Labor Day yeah we're going to dig deep into some songs that are they're building uh, some songs that are uh, brand new singles uh, could be singles so uh, we'll look uh, we'll look into all that uh, next week with uh, again Andrea Dresdale from ABC Radio I guess we should close Trevor with the one song we can agree on when you believe <laughs> Bye guys. There can be miracles when you Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.